0: Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Mrs. Christopher if she would come. She's going to tell you a bit of a story that's true, comes out of her personal experience last year, I think, right? Okay. There you go, ma'am.
1: Hi. Um, so last Sunday, I had it in my heart that I really wanted to share kind of our Thanksgiving miracle or story from last year in 2017. So, um, trying to gather my thoughts here so I don't cry. Um, So it was a rough year. My husband had been um, sick. The guy on the drums that's gonna hide right now. Um, (laughs) He was in the process of training for a new job. He'd been out of work for a little while. Um, It gave him double vision. Uh, Some things were delayed. October came. Um, I'm a nurse, so a lot of people say, oh, you're a nurse, you must do really well. Yeah, I do good. Uh, Bills are paid. Um, Thanksgiving came around. And um, this is just, I went, I have lots of these books that I write on my person. And I'll just read one sentence. It's like, God for real, though. I have $40 for eight days, Thanksgiving this weekend, and I need to feed more than 10 people. Please help me. But I will invite, and I will believe, and I will plan. So that was more of a, a, there was more to that, but there was quite a desperate cry, like a pressure coming on us. It'd been a hard year, and I didn't want, I didn't want to go to anyone else with this. Um, The next day, I sat down. I was still in like this, okay, God, you're it. You're it. There's no one else. We're tapped out of all of our resources. We've done everything we can. I wrote a grocery list out. It's here. And I wrote down how much it would cost me for that groceries. It was just under $200. Went to work that night. um, And night shift nurses chat quite a bit at the desk. Uh, My coworker... Um, for some reason, started to share about a personal financial situation she was in. And it was a lot deeper than mine. And, oh, man, my heart was heavy for her. And, um, and often I'll just tell her, you know, I'll pray for you and stuff. And um, I said, you know, can I just share something with you? And she's like, well, okay. So I told her about how I just have $40 left. And I said, do you know what? But I really believe that God's going to come through for me with at least 200 bucks for this Thanksgiving dinner. And she just looked at me. And I said, I, I need. I just want you to know that I'm going to pray for your situation, a different situation, but I'm going to pray for you. And and I just i am tired of saying I'm a believer and then nothing. Like we don't actually come on, like come practice on. it. You tell I said. So you know, you this is not it. like I'm asking for a brand new car or whatever. I just want to feed some people. And we have a practice in our house of Thanksgiving. We invite other people other than our own family. So it, it ended up being 16 people, by the way. Anyways, so um, so she, whatever, in the morning. Uh, before we left work, she p- took me aside and pulled out $200 from her wallet. And she says, I can't um, I can't give this to you, but I could lend it to you, and I know you really need it. Okay. I said, um, I really appreciate it, and that's so sweet. But I've made a very specific prayer, that I would not owe the money back, that I would not have interest on it, that it would not come from, from a source that I'm aware of. Like, I want this to be real. And she just okay. <laughs> so I said, I'll text you and let you know what happens. Ha, 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 you know. And as I'm getting into the elevator, I'm like, oh, Lord, I, you know, I, I know you're real. So let's, let's do this, okay? Um, so um, that day, actually, when I woke up, I, I have a weird life. I woke up that day and came into, um, I woke up to a, a message on my answering machine uh, or my voicemail from Cheryl and uh, she said, oh, Rochelle, I uh, forgot to tell you, there was an envelope for you here at the church uh, when we came in on Tuesday. And uh, since you're coming by today, so I was coming by, uh, just remind me to give that to you. Well, okay. Like, could, could this be it? So um, I come to church, and um, yeah, we, we sit down together. Oh, here's your envelope. And I said, Cheryl, I'm just, I just really want to open this in front of you. I said, first of all, did you but give this to me. She goes, no, there's no name. It was just here when we showed up at church, um, or, like back to work on Tuesday. I said, okay, so you don't know who this is from. She goes, I swear I do not know who this is from. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure. I just want to confirm that. So I opened it up and there was a Superstore card for $200. Mm. Yeah. And um, of course I started to cry with her and we're like crying and praying and saying, you know, thank God and Um, I think the reason I'm sharing that is because we all go through stuff. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I'm so thankful that God uh, came through for us in a miraculous way. And whoever got that message on their heart to give us that 200, I'm guessing it was someone from this building, may not have realized that that was so specific. Like, I said, God, Mm -hmm. this is like what I'm asking for. And that person received it in their heart, and they worked that out. And so I'm just thankful for that. And do I have one more minute? Okay. So, of course, um, so funny because I can go like day by day uh, with the verses that I wrote to believe through this. And this is your father you're dealing with and he knows better than you what you need was one of the verses I wrote. And here was what I wrote after uh, I got the $200. (laughs) So it's long. Um, It's from Lamentations 319 to 36. (laughs) I will never forget the troubles, the other lostness and the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting bottom. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I am sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately Waits, and to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope and quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from the trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard, in throwing roadblocks in the way. And there's more, but I'll stop there. And so that's my testimony.
0: I want you just to pray before you go. Okay. There's people here. That, that, this is more than a, than a Thanksgiving story that was told on Thanksgiving. This is instruction for those who are overwhelmed by what they have and what they don't have right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just a reminder, if you ask specifically, mm-hmm. if you ask with faith, mm-hmm. he'll answer. I want you to pray for those people right now.
1: So, Lord, I just thank you, thank for, you for the people in this house today, Lord. Lord. I thank you habits. that you've brought them here. You've brought them for a reason, and you have a message of hope for them. And, Lord, I just pray right now that whatever pressure the enemy is allowing to increase upon them, that you would decrease it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, whatever the enemy uh, is pointing for them to look at that's not of you, I pray that they would look in what you have for them, Lord Uh, God. And, Lord, I pray where there is lack that there would be excess. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would give them prayers to pray, Lord. Show them the words that you have in, in the Bible that will help them have the the right prayer Lord the words that you would want them to say because you know our needs before we even ask mm-hmm. so Lord God I just pray that people would walk in faith and not by sight and I thank you that you meet all of our needs according to our riches in Jesus name Amen Amen
0: Amen Amen, Amen. Thank you Michelle. Thank you so much for sharing that and being willing to share that that was a great great part of the morning today um just as I'm getting sorted out here, I want to welcome a few people. Monica, it's great to have you back. It's great to have your mom here today from England, and uh, she promises me next time she's staying longer. Uh, Travis is back from his honeymoon. That's great. Good to have him back. There are some other people that I was going to remember, and I forgot. Some Saskatoon folks, C3 Saskatoon. Good for you to be here. So, so thankful. I, I think this is Savannah... Um, Grace's first Sunday here in church. Great to have her. Uh, and if you're visiting, it's so good to have you. Uh, we hope that you feel like you're at home. I have some, uh, some stuff to share, and I've been up all night waiting to share. You guys didn't get here on time, so I, I'm just a little uh, uptight about letting this. Listen, we're talking about climate change for the next four weeks, and it's not about what happens outside. It's what happens when you walk into a room. Let me give you an example. Climate change. I'm sure that you've experienced uh, arriving in a room, things are going normally, and somebody comes in and everything changes. Example, I'm doing a uh, wedding, and it's a wedding rehearsal. And so everybody comes in, they're all excited, they're jabbering, it's, it, they're happy, there's, there's all sorts of joking going on and, and laughter, and then... The door opens and one of the mothers come in and everybody's afraid of her. And all of a sudden, the climate changes. Things get quiet. Everybody stops their jabbering and they start to mind their P's and Q's. Climate change or let's do it in reverse. You've been told that a dear friend is in the hospital, and for that dear friend, the end is near, and, and, and you want to go see that person, but you're afraid it's going to be emotional, it's going to be tearful, it's going to be a bit of a mess, and you're struggling to get in your car to get to the hospital to see them, because you're a person who doesn't like to say goodbye. But when you arrive, the the climate isn't what you expect it to be. It's not. It's sad. It's not mournful. When you arrive, there's a lightness to the air. The one who's dying is full of faith and encouragement for everyone that arrives. And you leave feeling rather than wrung out like a dish rag, you feel something of, of, of being built up, of being excited about being revived. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. It happens to me lots of times. That's climate change. There are people that I like to pray with. I love to pray with because no matter what shape I arrive in, the, they, they warm up the atmosphere, they change the climate, they praise and pray in such a way that fear has to leave, and faith starts to fill the room to the point that you could be driven in a car to Cascade Mountain and decree that that mountain be picked up and thrown into the Atlantic because the Pacific is too close and because that mountain is there and you are full of expectation and this was what was going to happen. That ability to to shift the atmosphere, to, to bring warmth to a climate, to bring expectation, to change the feeling in a room. That's climate change. The scripture teaches that we, the people of God, have the ability, have the authority to create climate change. The scripture, the test verse that I, I could quote, there's many of them, but this is my favorite one. It's the words of Jesus, and I like it best in the, in the message. Just recently, I've quoted it before, but it's Mark chapter 11, verses 23 to 24. Embrace the God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake to the mountain. No shuffling, no shilly-shallying. That's why I really like the quote. Um, No shilly-shallying, and it's it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, ranging from Thanksgiving turkeys and, and lunch to whatever it is to the large. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. Climate change. It, it, it wasn't just a spoken word with Jesus. He did it. There was action all of the time in his public ministry. Where there wasn't enough, he spoke, and there was more than enough. Where there was death, he, he spoke life, and life came to death. Where there was hopelessness, the grief, he spoke, and the hope was restored. Where, where there was illness, he brought health. Where there was bondage. He spoke in and in March liberation and true freedom. Atmospheric shift, climate change. Jesus again in John chapter 14 verse 12, and it's the message. The person who trusts me will not only do what I am doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I will do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who He is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I will do. Climate change. This is the believer's norm. This is... To be part of your expectation, part of what you do everywhere that you go. Change the climate where you are. You see this dark curtain behind me. I've brought a prop with me. I've asked someone to, to help me build a prop. He built a prop for me, Andrew built a prop, and, and, and it's going to be with us for the whole month of October as we go through this series. It's, uh, it's not beautiful. It wasn't meant to be beautiful. In fact, it's kind of homely, isn't it? It's a rectangular box covered in heavy plastic. It's, it, it represents something that's not a beautiful concept. Here's, here's what it represents. You personally have an enemy this morning. An enemy who is bound, bent, and determined to keep you from reaching your full potential as a believer, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He ha- he's a dirty fighter. He's, a, he's an ugly fighter. He has no sense of fair play. He will hit you when you're the most vulnerable. And once he feels that you're up against the ropes, he will continue to hit on you over and over and over and over again until you feel like you're going to die, like you want to give up. And this box represents a trap. It, it can lure you into it by deceit or discouragement. It, it feels like he can isolate you from God and from hope and from those who can strengthen your faith. If your enemy can keep you in this trap, he can severely minimalize your effectiveness and the impact you can hold in people's life. He can defeat you. With indecision and hold you captive until you feel or until you die. The good news is there's a way out of the trap. Again, from Scripture, proof from Scripture, there's a song that David writes in, in uh, song number 124 in the Psalms, and one of the verses declares that the trap has been broken in his life and he is free. Listen to the words of the poet, Psalm 124, verse 7. We have become like a free bird, like a bird out of a trap. The net is broken and now we are free. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and who made earth. You see, to describe his freedom experience, he uses a metaphor from the experience of the hunters of his day. They would go out into the forest and they would set a trap for a bird. And the trap would hold bait. And when the bird was in the trap, it would not be able to get out of that that net. And the bird would sit there until the hunter returned and either kept him in a cage and sold him as a pet or cooked him for dinner. The good news is that the bird, the, the songwriter compares his spiritual experience to that of the trapped bird. He says somehow, way, he had been snared by his enemy and he was waiting his captor to determine what his fate might be. However, the great liberator of heaven comes by, breaks the net and sets him free before the captor could do any damage. And then he sings this chorus and gives credit where credit and praise are due. My help, my captor, my liberator comes from the Lord, the powerful God who made heaven and earth. So over these next four weeks, we want to talk about the trap, how it works, how it ensnares, how, how it snares its prey, and how it threatens to crush the life and the potential out of each and every one who's caught in this trap. We want to talk about the things that break the net, that set captives free. We we want to talk about the authority. We want to talk about the ability to go around causing climate change in the lives of people who cross your path shifting atmospheres so that nets get broken, so prisoners get to go free. And we want to talk about our help, which always comes from God. Jesus said, God's spirit is on me. He has chosen me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to announce freedom to those who have been caught in nets and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and the battered free to announce this is the time for God to act in your life now. This mandate is now that you are the people in the people business with God, you are to take that mandate and to go out and do the very same thing as he did. So let's talk about the trap. The objective of the trap is to always catch, to always ensnare people. The, the, the bait, the, the way we get lured into the trap, Is is different. It's unique. It's 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 specific for specific people. A trap that has a banana in it won't catch me. If there's nothing else to eat, I'll eat a banana. But I'm not a big fan of bananas. But if there's a big slab of rare red meat, I'm in trouble. That's my specific taste. A trap is set with bait that gets my attention. People can fall into the trap for one or more of these reasons, and some of some that I've most likely missed, but but a person, for instance, can have a series of disappointments that causes them to wonder God, where are you? Are you real? Depression can come. I'm not a mental health professional, and I don't know all there is to know about depression, but there is a spiritual depression that can come. And as it did in Elijah's day, and after arguably his, his greatest victory, and yet in the next chapter, we find him laying on the ground begging God, God, let me die. I can't do it anymore. Just kill me. We can enjoy sin for a season, but eventually it catches up and and, and the joy evaporates and we become isolated. We become separated from God. Trauma. It's one of the things that makes me so mad at the enemy when I see him wind up and punch a child or punch a, a young person so hard in the chest that his or her heart shatters and they find it hard to trust or to hope in anything or anyone, it makes me furious. Health issues, family difficulties, divorce, abandonment, people who feel like they've been left, belo- left behind, left alone in life people who have been robbed of hope and of trust and 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 it can be brought into a trap into a place where they they're meant to think that they have no way out that they're isolated from anybody who cares and they're separated from god the bait is important to understand because scripture says i don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed about how the devil operates but the trap is the important part of the equation. There is an outcome that the enemy wants to achieve when he sets traps for people. It's not just to catch them. It's to break them, to change them, to tame them, to keep them from their potential and their destiny. If the enemy can trap you, he believes that he can cause you to lose sight of your, pr- of your purpose that your life can be wasted and your destiny can be thwarted. He believes that if you can be isolated in this trap, then your availability, your ability to influence is lost and change is held off for another day and maybe even for forever. He believes that if you can be held in the box, convinced that there is no hope, that there's no power in the name that is above every name, then you will miss the doors that God opens, that, that no man can shut. He, you will miss the opportunities that He presents. Your enemy has purposed in his heart that if you were locked up in a trap, isolated and kept alone, kept away from the people that are on your team, people who work with you, people who pray for you and pray with you, then you were alone and you were vulnerable and you become easy prey, caught in a net, waiting for the captor to come and execute his will on your life, making you a victim instead of a liberator. It is the plan of our enemy to put you in a trap. Held in a place where eventually you can be convinced to believe God can't find you. God can't hear you. And convince you that he doesn't care. Then you won't believe, you won't hope, you won't call out on the name that's great, the greatest name under heaven and in all the earth. You do not dare to believe that he can make a difference in your situation. I remind you that Jesus says that our enemy cannot say anything that is not a lie. It is his native tongue. It is his language. Four things that I want you to know about traps. In this series, some of you are going to be sitting here and listening and all of a sudden you're going to wake up and realize that you are in a trap yourself. Because it's been a part of your life for so long. You never saw it as a trap. You saw it as just the way life is. But as we talk about hope, as we talk about freedom, those will seem like concepts that are not familiar to you and you will start questioning the way that you live and you will end up realizing that you personally are in a trap. Let me say this to you this morning, on this first Sunday, hold on, hold on because hope is on its way. Your life is about to change, the net is about to be broken, and you're about to start singing a song of freedom again. Get ready, the trap is about to be broken. The second thing that I want you to know about traps in this series, we're going to be talking about your person. Your person, the person that I've been asking you to find, the person that God has put on your heart that you want to share with, that you want to love, you want to serve, that you want to befriend. Your person, the people that are surrounding you that are prisoners, and God says, okay, now is the time to start breaking necks and setting captives free. We're talking about this because it's information that you will be able to use and apply to your person. It's information that you'll be able to apply to people that have come across your path, and you will be one who gets to teach people how to sing songs of freedom in a brand new climate because you're a climate changer. Number three, traps can be set not only for individuals, but also for groups of people. Entire generations of families can believe a lie, and, and, and so captivity that great-grandpa experienced just keeps on going down the line. And before you know it, great-grandchildren are growing up experiencing the same horrible climate that their ancestors lived in. They don't have to, but they do because this is normal in their world. We need people who walk into people groups and make declarations of freedom that sets families free. I have been asking around the church, who is your person and how can I join you in praying for them? And I'm impressed as to how many people are praying for family members and how many of those family members are stuck in nets that need to be broken so that they can escape. The good news is this works in families. It works in groups. I want you to know that churches can be caught in traps. We're establishing a beacon of hope and life in the city of Strathmore. They had their first meeting this last Thursday. It's a place where unchurched people will come and discover freedom from the snare that holds them away from all that God has planned for them. And you don't think that the captor is going to try every dirty trick that he has to keep us from doing that very thing? I make this declaration here this morning. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world making threats against us. There is hope on its way for Strathmore. There's hope on its way for Calgary. Cities can be held in the spiritual frozen zones. Read the the city that's talked about in Acts chapter 8 where Philip goes to this this city in Samaria, a place of great darkness and great fear. And he creates some climate change... And it becomes renowned as a city that's full of great joy. The name of our church declares that we have the DNA to bring freedom to cities. Christian City Church. A vision of an entire city changed by our message and our ability to break nets. Get ready to be climate changers. Finally worthwhile projects, nations, generations, continents can be locked up spiritually. But there is a way, there is an authority that can reverse that situation, can change climates in nations, generations, and continents. I have a friend who travels the country several times a year and stands in different cities and different towns across the the country. And when he does, he stands and he makes this declaration. Canada shall be saved. And slowly but surely, he's cutting the net, getting ready for a massive climate change in this country. The difference can be found in which kingdom you belong to. Jesus again says in John chapter 10, verse 10, The robber comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I, Jesus, came so that they might have life and have great, full overflowing life. The climate and environment of life is a lot different than the climate that has theft, murder, and destruction on it. It's warmer, it's better, it's more joyful. So let's go to the lab and let's look at a real life example of a man falling into a trap that could have made the story so different than the one we know. Jacob brings his sons and their families to Egypt to escape a terrible famine that is crushing their land. There are 70 people who come and they join their brother Joseph in Egypt as refugees from a catastrophic drought. However, that generation lives there in peace, but they get older and and they pass away. Joseph and all of his brothers, they get old and they die. And so does the Pharaoh that had welcomed them to the land. And things change. And now Israel's not a group of guests, but they are an exploding population that makes the new Pharaoh think, that he's in trouble, and so he goes to a place, he controls and monitors everything they do, and he makes them slaves and treats them horridly for about a 112 years, give or take 32. God decides to send a deliverer, one who has the power, one who has the authority to break the net and set that generation, set that entire nation of people free from their slavery, from the net that has them caught. And the enemy knows that God has a plan, but he's not certain who the plan will come through. He doesn't know the identity. He doesn't know the location of the liberator. And I want you to hear that. It's very important that you hear this point in our series. The devil is not all-knowing. The devil doesn't know it all. He was created by all-knowing God, but the devil is not all-knowing. He is limited in his understanding, in his ability, and in his scope of influence. He will lie and say that he knows more than he does, can do more than he can do, and that he has the abilities that he does not possess. But that is so important to understand. He isn't infinite. He's limited. He's limited. He's limited. He knows that there's going to be a deliverer, but he can't risk missing the man who's been tasked with cutting the nets. So hear what the record says. Then Pharaoh said to the people, to his people, throw every son who is born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but keep every daughter alive. Not sure who the liberator is? Our enemy says, let's get rid of the entire generation. Let's kill every Hebrew son who is born by drowning them in the Nile. Again, let's get the facts straight. The Pharaoh is the one who issues, issues the law of annihilation. However, Paul lets us know that our battle is not with people who have power, it's not our battle with a, a spiritual, uh, with a king or a Pharaoh or flesh and blood. The, the, the battle is with a spiritual overlord that attempts to keep people locked up so that he can destroy them. Ephesians chapter 6. God is strong and he wants to make you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. There is no afternoon athletic contest here that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. This is life or death fight to the finish against the devil. And all of his angels. This is my point. We're fighting for. We are fighting over the life and the destiny of people that matter to God. People that are trapped. We, we have a God-given destiny to change history, to set a person, a generation, a nation free. You do not know. You have no clue what your person has for an assignment from God. You do not know how important it is that you love, that you serve, that you inspire your person. You do not know how important the consequences are for breaking the net that holds your person captive. You do not know. This morning you may sit here in a net thinking that it's normal, that it's what you were destined for, that God doesn't care, God doesn't act, God doesn't respond. Nothing could be more diabolically untrue and further from the truth. God wants you to get a hold of this one truth this morning. You were not born to live in a trap. God has higher aspirations for you than that. You were born to rip nets off of people and inspire them to sing songs of deliverance. You were born to be a climate changer, bring people out of darkness, bring them into amazing light. I, I, I think maybe you guys think that because it's a holiday weekend, I get double time and a half for what I'm doing here. I'm just giving you good preaching because I, it's in my heart. We're here to break chains off generations. me put it a little more plain. In 1978, a band called Trooper had an album called Thick as Thieves and they started singing a lie. I know there's some Trooper fans here. They sang R-A-I-S-E, raise a little hell. The words should have been Not R-A-I-S-E, a a little hell, but R-A-Z-E, completely destroy a little bit of hell. You have authority, you have power to raise R-A-Z-E, a little hell. Moses is born in this dangerous time. Born in a season where an entire generation is being brought into spiritual death traps. It, it says that a Jewish man and a woman, both from the tribe of Levi, get married and they have a son. And the text says that the mother saw, she knew that there was something special about her son. Now every mother just knows that. Every, every mom sees something special in their child. But this was more. She she didn't know what it was, but there was something about this child that was more than just oodles and oodles of cuteness. She saw something. There, There was hope. There was a willingness in her life to risk her life and the entire family by hiding this child from the Egyptian authorities. God gave the mother a an ability to believe that there was something about her person, her son, that whatever it took, whatever it cost, she would protect him and keep him safe. And she would keep him out of the net that was set to keep him from being who God had created him to be. She kept him at home for three months, and when it was no longer possible to hide him at home, she inspired, she's inspired to set him in a waterproof basket and, and place him on the edge of the Nile. From a human point of view, this seems like a crazy plan. To set a Jewish baby in a place where he can be discovered by Egyptian people who have been authorized and deputized to drown every Jewish boy that they come across. This seems like insanity. But she's desperate. And God puts it in her heart. God puts it in her mind. This is how you're to do it. Please hear this. When we as a people with limited understanding go to an all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present God and ask for His help, hear me now, when we ask for His help and His input and when we listen and when we do exactly what He tells us to do, amazing things start to happen. This story gets crazy. The deliverer of Israel, who has had a death sentence on his life, is hidden in the Nile, where the daughter of the man who issued the decree that all Jewish baby boys should be put to death is going to the Nile to bathe. And she hears a cry. She sends someone to look for the baby. The baby is brought to this, this princess. And the princess looks at the baby, and her heart is touched, and she determines, I have influence over the heart of my daddy. And I know what he would tell me, but my daddy lives right here around my little finger. And I'm going to get him to change his mind because I love this baby. I'm going to take this baby home, and I'm going to raise him as my own. Listen, people. The, the enemy thought that he had all of his bases covered that he had destroyed every chance that God had to raise a deliverer, raise a net cutter, and, and that would come along and set an entire generation free. He, he thought he had won. However, God brought the deliverer into the palace of Pharaoh to raise him, to educate him, to make him a strong, confident leader so that when God says, it's time, let's go, let's get my people free, there would be a strong man with connections who would stand up and defy all the odds and lead an entire nation out of captivity. God is just like that, doing things that are awe-inspiring accomplishing things that are impossible, making the enemy rue the day that he ever thought that he was smart enough to break and disrupt the purposes of God. Don't forget the song always includes this refrain, our help comes in the name of the Lord. He is the one who has done this great thing, not we ourselves. Our only hope is in the name of the Lord. We sing that over and over and over again. The enemy, not happy to allow the the plan to develop, gets personally involved and right up in the grill of Moses. He creates some confusion about Moses' identity. Are you really an Egyptian or are you really an Israeli? Are, Are you really royalty or are you just a slave in disguise? What do you think you can do, loser? Then he attacks the mission that Moses has on his life. The mission was straightforward. You were to break the net that holds a nation in a trap and set the people free from their slavery. You were to create climate change for a nation who has for two or three generations known nothing but slavery. Moses knows the mandate on his life because he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew. And there's something in him, something that he can't explain or describe. It rises up in him and he knows his call but doesn't know how to work the call. And so he kills the Egyptian to help the Israeli. Moses hides the body in hopes that the secret will remain hidden and that no one will know. Here's the good news for you to hear this morning. Some of you are sitting here today saying, Pastor Bill, if you only knew what I've done, if you only knew where I've been, if you only could see my police record, you wouldn't be trying to break me out of a trap. You'd leave me here and find a more likely candidate. I'm coming for you. If God can set a murderer free to create climate change, then he can certainly take you with your faults and your record and make you a person that goes to traps, cuts nets, opens them up, and lets people go free. Doesn't matter what your story is. Pharaoh hears that Moses has killed the Egyptian and he himself attempts to go after and kill Moses. But Moses runs away. He, he hides in a place more remote, more desolate, more uninteresting than Saskatchewan. Sorry, C3 Saskatoon. Sorry. So you know it's desolate. It's lonely. He hides there in the hopes that he will be invisible to everyone. He hides there in the hopes that God will forget about him, that no one will recognize him, and that he can live in the trap that has been set for him and not be responsible for his call and his mission any longer. He's hiding from God in a trap in a desolate land where where he is a stranger in the hopes that he will be released from the responsibility of his destiny. However, one day, he's, he's sitting by a well and he sees seven women who've been tasked by their father to water the flocks of their family. And the women arrive at the well and the male shepherds that are there, not wanting to be bothered by the women, harass and bully the women in order to keep the well free for their own flocks The hashtag Me Too was in place in that day, and I want you to know that it was a man of God that stood up and said, Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Something on the inside of Moses said, I I know that I'm hiding and that I'm trying to be invisible to everybody, but I can't allow these women to be bullied. So he stands up, he chases the shepherds away, and he helps the women water their flocks. You can run away from your call, you can choose to live in a trap, but you can never run away from the purpose that God's put on your life. You can never get to a place where God doesn't know where you are or how to get you out of the trap that you're in. The seven daughters return home and the father says, "That didn't take you very long." And and the women say, "Listen, Dad, we we have a story to tell you." "Dad, we" We had helped this nice Egyptian man. It's because of how he looked. This nice Egyptian man. They didn't see him as an Israeli. This Egyptian man helped us. He saved us from the net of the shepherds. He even got the water for the sheep. When they hide, climate changers come out and do the most unexpected things because of the call that's on their life. They go around wrecking nets that were meant to capture and enslave people in their destiny. This cage, this shell, supposed to have four walls, but then I couldn't get in. but it makes things blurry. I can see the light, but I can't see you. I feel isolated from you. You can maybe see something of me, but there's, there's a barrier. And I want you to know that this morning we're starting to punch some holes in the net. We're starting to get ready to set our person, our generation, our city free. I want to read you these words from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. David, will you come to the instrument, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Paul, talking to the Corinthians, says, Listen, we do not use those things to fight with that the world uses. We use the things God gives to fight with, and they have power. Those things God gives us to fight with destroy the strong places of the devil. We break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. We take hold of every thought and we make it obey Christ. We are ready to punish those who will not obey as soon as you obey in everything. I'm not going to talk about that verse. I just wanted to plant the seed in your head so that you would think about it and you would wrestle with it. And it would make you uncomfortable with where you are. We're going to come back to this truth. I I want to state so clearly that no one has any questions or doubt. I want you to hear this. I have two objectives this month. And the first is this, that every person in this house who lives in a trap My target is to cut you out of that trap so that you can experience, you can live in the full freedom of who you were meant, who you were destined to be. I want to hear you get to sing the song of how the trap has been destroyed and how you have been freed to carry out your divine purpose and that your devotion, your allegiance is to the name that is above every name, the God of heaven and earth, our one, our only hope. I'm coming for you. I said earlier this morning, I I couldn't wait for you to get to church this morning. I have a sense that this is an important month for us. It's an important month for you. My other objective is to make sure that everyone here is a climate control specialist. People who can go into situations where people are held captive and use the weapons that God has put in your hands to destroy the strong places, the traps of the devil. You were made for this. Anything else is a lie. Let God be true and every other man in everything he says be a liar. You were made for this. You were brought to the kingdom for this purpose. You have people who count on you to be able to cut them out of the net, out of the trap. Free captives and restore songs to people who have no music in them right now. I want to remind you of the song. We have become free like a bird out of a trap. The net is broken, and now we are free. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Will you stand with me this morning?